This is the Chain Reaction Project. The Chain Reaction Project is a series of stories written in response to each other. A story is passed to the next writer in the chain, and they respond to it with another story, as loosely or as closely as they wish. Their story is then passed on to the next writer, and so on. This ninth story was written by Matt Morrison and performed by Damien Lynch. I'm off the train, through the station gates, onto the street. And the first thing I see sitting at the bus stop is just... Kate. And I suppose I register the oddness, the incongruousness, the ridiculousness. A little stronger is a flush of anger, that people are looking, or not looking. One woman sitting on the plastic bench beside her has slid towards its furthest end. Next to it, a mother stands protectively with her daughter, angling them both just so. The whole scene is poised, artful, everyone carefully avoiding this strange woman sitting by herself in the cold, with furry slippers the shape of bears, cotton pyjamas full of stars and dots, and such a thin coat pulled on and half pulled off across her shoulders. I go straight towards her, not saying anything. I put my arm around her, ask what's wrong, which is obvious and mysterious all at the same time. I'm all right, she says. Sorry, I just needed to get out of the house for a moment. I've had such a headache. It's nothing, it's just the side effects. And it is, it must be, just the side effects. We looked at the leaflet in the box that morning. We laughed at the list. Then all day at work I'd been passing it around. May cause headaches, may cause drowsiness, may cause flu-like symptoms and increasingly absurd, may cause goosebumps, may cause binge eating, then stranger and stranger, may cause a sudden irresistible urge to gamble, so specific, may cause a sudden irresistible urge to gamble, no matter the consequences for family or friends. All morning I'd been telling people, like some comedy routine, an irresistible urge to gamble, as if Kate might suddenly find herself propelled against her will to slot machines, to poker websites, might suddenly book herself a flight to Vegas, irresistibly bankrupt herself, no matter the consequences for family and friends. Everyone had an opinion. Someone must have gone and done it, said Kira, who apparently did a year at med school. If someone pops a pill and does something batshit crazy, they have to put it on the list. They literally have to. That's the way it works. If just one person does something mental, they're legally bound to say it's a side effect. So some poor nut job took one of these pills and went loopy, better weigh the family silver or something. So now it's on the list. I'm telling you, that's the way it works. Kira's new. She doesn't know about me and Kate. It's not her fault. She doesn't know what happened with us. About her daughter. But you can see some of the others getting anxious trying to shut her up. They think I'm still too fragile for this sort of thing. They're worried about Kira's use of certain phrases, like batshit crazy and mental and nutjob. But afterwards, when she asks, why is your wife taking pills anyway, and I tell her we've just started IVF, to her credit, she doesn't really blink. 
She doesn't notice that everybody else is firing nervous glances around the room, terrified she'll probe deeper, ask if we have any other kids. Terrified I'll collapse to the ground in grief. I kept showing the leaflet off, even to Jo when she came in before her meeting, and Karen once the word had got round. Maybe no one's really interested. Just pretending because this is the beginning of something new and people want it to go well. Or they're worried because I'm making such a song and dance about it. That there's something manic in the way I'm acting, making this big pantomime, making everyone uncomfortable. Eventually, Saeed looked it up and found that actually it's quite common. With drugs for Parkinson's, for example. For restless leg syndrome. Drugs, basically, that increase dopamine. Because dopamine affects your pleasure and pain reflexes. And if the levels go too high, it makes you compulsive. Impulsive. Sai just got it off Wikipedia. He doesn't know any more about dopamine than I do. But it killed the fun, now we knew an irresistible urge to gamble wasn't some impossible thing. No longer inexplicable. I'd planned to buy Kate a deck of cards on the way home, but the joke had already worn flat. After lunch, I sent her a message. Just a, hi, how you doing? She replied with something bland, which sometimes does mean something else. That she's feeling low, that something's on her mind. But I was busy, or chose not to engage. After a bit, Saeed came up and took me aside. Seriously, mate, just wondering how things are? Everything going well? Because three years on from Sophie's death, they still treat me with kid gloves. And he's wondering if this, starting over like this, is a mistake. As if there's any way to gauge that kind of thing. I said I was fine and went to write Kate another message, but this time she didn't reply. So I just got on with the rest of the day and didn't really think of anything else until it was time to leave. But at the bus stop, with my arm round Kate, dressed in her pyjamas and her stupid slippers, I start thinking about Kira's theory all over again. That it just takes one person with one symptom and it has to go in the leaflet. At the same time, I feel Kate leaning into me, pressing more urgently, as if the world is leaning with her as if we've become denser and every little movement tugs the universe slightly this way and that. I'm aware that some chemical is changing in my body. Adrenaline, maybe. Maybe dopamine too. Or just relief. That after our different days battling the mundane, the strange and the frightening, we're somehow back where we belong. I look at the gently warping figures around me and down at Kate's feet. I look at the two of us from somewhere far up in the sky. And still I think of Kira and her certainty. I feel myself smiling again at the ridiculousness of it all. May cause a sudden irresistible urge to gamble. Isn't that just the state of things? Who needs a pill? You walk out of your house, you cross a road. You look at scans, you look at figures, you look at percentages, you look at age charts, medical history. You look at the internet. You look at your life and your past and your parents 
and the age they had you, the hopes they had for you, and the hope we had five years ago when Kate was pregnant with Sophie. When we knew the chances and we knew the risks and we thought, to hell with it. Knowing even then, that even if we bet the house and the car and our happiness on odds we knew were stacked the wrong way round, and even when two years later we lost that bet, that if we ever have the chance again, if we were lucky enough to ever have that chance again, maybe we'd still find it irresistible at the end of the day. I think of Kira, and I feel the warmth of Kate beside me. And it's obvious and not mysterious at all. That an irresistible urge to gamble isn't some single side effect of something awful and sad and strange and rare. That everything we've done and everything we're doing isn't some crazy bet. It's just the choices we make. And it's okay to be scared. Because everyone's scared. And everything's a risk and everything's a gamble. And it's on the leaflet just to remind everyone of the condition of being alive at all. It's five minutes, maybe ten, before my metabolic levels even out. Find their equilibrium. Before I can get to my feet, pulling Kate up with me. Her chemical balance is settling too. She turns and gives me a tired smile. On the walk home, I tell her we'll say the pills are too strong. Use something else, or maybe just leave this side of things to chance. I tell her we can get what happened listed on the box. May cause a desire to leave your house in your pyjamas and sit at a bus stop like a mental woman. She laughs and says she's freezing and pulls her flimsy coat tighter round her body. <laughs>